0: Welcome to the Geek Therapy Podcast, where we celebrate how geek culture is saving the world. Um, sometimes that looks like a huge gaming convention really looking out for its participants. Sometimes it looks like gaming technology helping someone who's has a terminal illness and wants to have some really great experiences before before passing away. And sometimes it's how video games and memories of playing with um, our parents can be really helpful and help us cope with loss. So my name is Josue Cardona. I happen to be a geek and a therapist and... Today I want to talk about uh, PAX East, I went there last week and it was an amazing experience for reasons that I did not expect. But first of all, I want to talk about uh, geek therapy in general. When I started the, the whole concept about three years ago, um, I started just posting articles that I found online that really supported how geek culture was helping people, how video games, technology, comic books, the things that are usually associated with geek culture were really helpful to a lot of people. Uh, to me, that's still the core of what, uh, geek therapy is all about, of what the website is all about. And what I do is I take articles that seem really cool and I post them on a curation service called Scoop It. And it's been great for, for three years. We've, we've got a great following there. And the articles that are there are really, to me, the heart and soul of geek therapy. And over time, I've, I've never really featured them on the podcast. And I think, I think it's about time. So I want to start by, by doing that by, Featuring a few articles that that I found recently that I think you'll really enjoy. So first up is an article I found called How the Oculus Rift Helped Roberta Furstenberg Battle Cancer. And it's about a game designer named Priscilla Furstenberg, who has a grandmother, Roberta, and how she moved in, started taking care of her, and she started talking with her grandmother every day. Grandmother at this point is terminally ill. She's been battling cancer. There's nothing she can do about it. And... Grandma is telling Priscilla how she she really wishes she could travel more, how she could move around. She really misses walking around in her garden. So Priscilla is a game developer, and she reached out to Oculus, the company that makes the Oculus Rift, which is the most prominent virtual reality technology right now. Uh, she sent an email saying that she would like to design something for her grandmother so she could have those experiences that she's talking about. And Oculus Rift responded to her and sent her a development kit. There's this amazing video in the article that I will embed in the, in the show notes where Priscilla is, is, she's recording her grandmother playing on the Oculus and she's having a really good time. She's able to walk around. Uh, you see her kind of extending her hand, trying to touch things. I think it's a butterfly that she sees um, through the Oculus. And if you've never tried Oculus, it really is an amazing experience. Doesn't matter how bad the actual graphics are inside the system or how blurry, how low the resolution, you still feel like you're somewhere else. So her uh, stretching her arm out isn't just because she maybe has little experience with video games. Your brain really does get tricked into kind of thinking that it, whatever you're seeing is actually right in front of you. And she talks about how great this experience is because she can't walk around and she seems to be really excited about being able to go up and down stairs in this In this video game, which is something that she hasn't been able to do in a really long time. And there's one part of the story that's really great. Apparently, Roberta remembers seeing a Google Maps street view car pass in front of her at some point. And her granddaughter decides to look at street view and see if, if her grandmother's there actually in the picture. And she is, or she was at least. And, um, Oculus there's a there's a version of Google Maps Street View that you can use with the Oculus so they actually had uh the grandmother use this to see herself in Google Maps Street View and there's this really touching part in the article where the grandmother sees herself in this picture taken by the Street View car a few years back and she sees that she was really healthy back then and she's you know kind of like seeing this reflection of of a healthier version of herself And apparently she stops, um, at that point because it was, it was a little emotional. But it was, it, it's a great article and it really shows, you know, that we can use technology for ways that we probably didn't imagine. Apparently in the comment section for the YouTube video, someone there was saying that he takes the Oculus and goes to visit veterans and actually allows them or those who were pilots to relive those days when they could fly planes. So just, you know, having these end of life experiences, uh, being able to relive past memories, you know, maybe you were a pilot and it's not the same thing, but it comes pretty close, especially you just, you're just unable to do it anymore. So I thought, I thought that was a really great story. So again, I'll put it in the, the show notes. And another story that I found that was really, really emotional too. It's, um, it was on Polygon. This guy wrote this article. His name was Jonathan Dornbush and he talks about how. Uh, according to his mom he was born with a controller in his hand and he goes on to talk about how he used to play all these different video games with his mom when he was a kid and apparently his mom really really enjoyed video games he also talks about just sharing those experiences with his mom playing a lot and kind of all the lessons that he got from his mom. Then his mother passed away from cancer and he was having a really hard time dealing with it. So he talks about the experience of revisiting those games that he used to play with his mom when he was a kid and even as a teenager and kind of how they helped him heal by remembering, by remembering the, the good things, kind of celebrating her life and then also remembering the, the different lessons that, that, that she had given him through these video games. There's a part in the article that I really like where he says, my mother always showed me what could be gained from gaming. Friendships, teamwork, puzzle solving. She taught me to look for all these qualities in the games I played, and I have made these lessons an integral part of not just my gaming habits, but my life as a whole in the years since her passing. It's a really great article. I suggest you check it out. This is on Polygon. By the way, Polygon has a lot of articles like these, just really great opinion pieces, editorials, sometimes about people who aren't really on their staff, just come on and, and and write these really, really great pieces. Polygon is, is very, very quickly becoming one of my favorite gaming sites because of stories like this. Um, that story really reminded me of playing with my mom and my dad when I was a kid. One of my earliest memories is also playing uh, Mary Brothers with, with my mom. And even though my mom is still alive, Every now and then I do remember like, oh, it was so great to play video games with her. And even now she plays a lot of games on mobile phones and she'll actually tell me about her high scores. And sometimes we compete and it's a lot of fun. We used to stay up until real late playing Tetris. And and those were just really, really great memories. And recently my grandfather passed away a little over a year ago. And recently I was remembering how most of the time I spent my, my grandfather, or at least the happiest memories I have, were of us playing. We specifically play, played, uh, tabletop games. And kind of when, when he passed away, it was really strange to kind of revisit those games. And I always associated them with him when, when he was alive. And now I still associated them with him. Now, now that he's, that he's not here anymore, it feels really good to kind of go back and play and remember even just not maybe life lessons but even just remembering man my 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 grandfather was really good at this game and remembering the strategies and remembering the jokes he used to tell when we were playing it it really helps it it helps to remember those really good positive happy moments we had together so check that out too um, I will put it in the in the show notes one last thing I'll say about this topic is that there's this concept of post-traumatic growth—the idea that when something bad happens, you can actually grow from it. You can actually learn some lessons or come out stronger at the other end. And uh, I wrote a piece a few months ago. It's titled "Post-Traumatic Growth in Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons." And there's a big part of that story of that game. It's a short game. It's about three hours, and I suggest you 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 play it. It's it's really really good. Again, it's it's short, but so this theme of post-traumatic growth is embedded in the game in a way that I've never experienced in any game before. So if you're interested in that idea of really just feeling of appreciating someone after they're gone and being able to live on with those lessons, I mean, I've I've never played a game that embodies that as well as Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I, I strongly recommend that if you're interested in that, Go check out that article. I, I won't say anything else because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. And now let's talk a little about Pax East. Pax East took place this year in uh, Boston from April 11th to 13, 2014, if you're listening to this way, way in the future. And I knew that there were a lot of mental health panels, um, enough to, to surprise me. I wrote an article just kind of suggesting that if anybody was there, these were dealing with mental health themes. And I checked all of them out and a few more. And I was really, really surprised at some of the things that I, that, that I saw. I'm talking about, for the most part, amazing, very, very positive things. And I'll go more into detail about all the things that I saw after I queue up an interview that I did with one of the enforcers. Enforcers are the people that work there. I'll, I'll let her explain it a little more. So check out this interview. And then afterwards, I'll come back and really just go into detail about the rest of the things that I saw at PAX East. So joining me right now is Elizabeth Flanagan. She is a therapist working in foster care. She was also an enforcer at this year's PAX East. And we met up kind of, it was one of those cool things where I left an empty seat in the panel and she sat next to me and I heard her talking about being a therapist. I got very excited. We started talking and I started to come on the show to kind of give her perspective on this whole thing where there was a lot of mental health talk at, at PAX East. So Elizabeth, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So, first of all, you were your therapist and you're an enforcer. What's an enforcer?
1: An enforcer um they're the con staff who work at Pax East. Um and uh you know, the jobs really range from all sorts of things. Uh, my main job was line entertainment, which is sort of, you know, keeping people who have been waiting in lines forever, you know, entertained so they don't get restless and uh actually you know, from a mental health perspective, a pretty good idea, because then you get people who are kind of aggravated after a while.
2: If you keep yeah. things
1: lighthearted, then it, it goes well. But, um, you know, the, the jobs range from everything from setting up PCs all the way to the other responsibility that I was um, that I took on as an enforcer, which was um, working in the take this AFK room.
0: Yeah, so, so we definitely want to talk about that. Um, enforcers were the people running around in, in red shirts, the wonderful staff that uh, makes makes the con possible. And and definitely talk, talk to us about the AFK room. What what, what was that?
1: Yeah, so um, you know when you're like just binge gaming and you're really wrapped up in a game and you've been playing it for like three hours straight and you finally kind of are like, okay, I need to take a break you step away and your brain is like buzzing and you're all, you know, you see like colors behind your eyes and stuff like that. Um, the idea with the AFK room is like you're at the con, which is super exhilarating and stimulating and all the stuff is going on around you and you just want to soak it all in. Um, but it can be really overwhelming after a while. So the idea with the AFK room is, you know, take a step away, you know, take a breather, come down from that a little bit, recoup, um, and uh, and get your bearings and um, it also served as just a sort of um, base for any mental health related issues that people wanted to talk about. Um, You know sometimes people just wanted to come in and um, kind of understand a little bit more about certain types of mental illness. People wanted to kind of talk about the things that were going on in their lives and there were um, licensed clinicians on staff and uh, there were some psychologists there So it was really a great team of people.
0: Oh, that's interesting that people were going in to kind of like ask questions related to mental health. I didn't, I didn't know that that was happening too.
1: Yeah. There were people who were coming in and, um, you know, for some people it was, I, I have a friend who's having a really hard time right now. How can I reach out to them? How can I help them? Um, and for some people it was like, I feel like I need help, but I don't know what to do next. And, you know, what's your advice? Um, or even people who are just sort of curious about therapy and, and what it does and um, just kind of looking for some more general information.
0: I'm guessing that came from the panel where we met, right? We take this, actually had a, a panel early on Friday, kind of start things off. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing people found out about it then?
1: Right. I think um, the panels drew a lot of people in because they were uh, they were talking about what do you do if you have a friend who seems to be having a hard time? How do you reach out to them in a way that's going to get through to them and not shut them down? Um, and I think that opened up a lot of questions for people.
0: Yeah. The, the take this panel, the the whole group, they, they did a really good job, right? They shared some personal stories about people in the video game industry. Mm-hmm. And then, and they did some role plays, which yeah. I thought was really good. Yeah instead of throwing it at the audience and just like, you know, hit me with your mental health question. It was like, look, let's talk about some basics. This is what it might look like.
1: Right. And I think, um, it was good because, uh, you know, most people are really well intentioned when they have a friend who needs help. Um, but they did a good job of addressing some of the common kind of mistakes that people make that are not so helpful. And, um, showing them okay here's a more effective way to kind of get through to someone and, and be more
0: helpful. Let me see I took notes on the on the role plays. Let me see. <laughs> let me see if I can find it. I forgot to bring it up. Um, but it was cool Dr. Klein, Dr. Mark Klein is the vice president of Take This and he kind of uh, let the role plays play out and then he came in and kind of gave his feedback on it.
1: Mhm. There there was one instance where um a girl was kind of trying to vent to her friend and the friend ended up sort of, I, you know, she was trying to empathize and trying to be there for her friend, um, but ended up kind of monopolizing the conversation by talking about herself. And um, so Dr. Mark pointed out, you know, sometimes it's just better to take a step back and listen and um, keep things a little more open ended and focused on on what they want to talk about.
0: Yeah, and and exactly like not not giving not giving advice, especially, you're probably giving advice based on something that happened to you. You're being right. really personal, and that may not apply.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. That that was a good one. That was really funny because yeah. she was like, "Well, for me, it's like this, and I think you should do this." It's horrible. But I mean, it happens all the time, right? <laughs> it
1: does. I mean, I think those are really basic things that people do, and and again, they're with the best of intentions. Um. And I don't think they realize that they can actually be a little bit more destructive and they can sort of cause people to, to clam up a little bit more than they, they realized.
0: I know it, it, with my clients, I deal with that all the time. It's like this person told me to do this, or this person told me to do that. I'm like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. sometimes so you spend a whole session just kind of like undo the, the damage to somebody. I mean, they wanted to help you, but.
1: It can just be really confusing yeah. after a while yeah. if you're, if you're getting different messages or if someone's giving you direct advice that conflict with your own feelings. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
0: Let me see. I wrote down. I found my notes. So one was uh, a boss and a coworker talking about an employee who was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. They were both just like complaining about him. Like, oh, like that guy, like he doesn't do his work. And he says he's going through a tough time. Oh, we should get rid of him.
2: (laughs)
1: Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and it was.
0: (laughs) Non-supportive in any way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and what I liked about that too is, you know, it it turned into um the boss and, and this guy kind of ganging up on the coworker um as opposed to leaving it kind of open as to like okay i see why this is a problem for you let's figure out what's kind of going on with this guy if we can come to some sort of you know peaceful um remediation like anything like that instead of just uh kind of i don't know um joining forces against him <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. So I and think it's a like,
1: natural tendency because you want you you want to show that you understand where they're coming from, and you you want to um, kind of help out.
0: Oh, and it was total office gossip. Instead of asking him, like, "Are you doing okay? Like, right, right. No, can we help you out?" <laughs> no, oh, that guy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think, and, and the first role play that I think was really, like, I think it was a, a, applicable to maybe a lot of the people who might have gone to the F.K. room later, which was the girl who didn't want to go to the movies because she really didn't feel like it, mm. and the other friend just like on top of her, just like, no, you gotta go. That's what you need to do. You need to get out of the house. You need to do this. You need to do that.
1: Right. And she's right. like,
0: I don't, I don't really want to go out.
1: <laughs> and I think that's that was a really important one because, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing completely, but I think that the gaming community is one that tends to attract a lot of people who identify as introverted. Um, a lot of people who tend to be, you know, they need that recharge time. They need some time to reflect and to have a lot of friends who are kind of insisting on coming out when really you need that time to reflect and take, take a step back. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience could kind of, uh, sympathize with the feeling of people trying to pressure you into doing social things that you just don't feel like you can handle
0: yeah yeah and also just like and not no consideration for the fact that she she kind of just wanted to stay in yeah right like uh, (laughs) we've all been through the we've all had that like it's a nice day outside you should go outside it's like no i'm in the middle of a gaming session right now and it's pretty good (laughs) and i'm all right
1: and i just don't (laughs) feel like it yeah, I wish exactly. that were I wish that were a more commonly accepted excuse. Like I just don't feel like it. Oh Yeah. Well
0: there's something wrong with you. No, no there isn't. Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So so and that kind of set the stage for, for that was take this as introduction to us, right? To Pax. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end they, they talked to us about, about the AFK room. I have a a picture here of what it said on the on the actual you know, they had like a banner outside. Mm-hmm said, um, which I thought was interesting because it really didn't say explicitly, um, hey, we're staffed by therapists or anything right. like that, which they were all weekend. Mm-hmm. It just said, take this AFK room, welcome, take a deep breath, relax. This is a place where you can take a break from the hustle of the show. Right, and volunteers can help you find the support you may need to cope with symptoms. Okay, and here it's like very specific symptoms of mental illness or emotional distress. You can get back to, uh, and so you can get back to enjoying everything that Pax has to offer. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like I think seventy thousand people. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, it's insane.
0: Uh, the show floor is so hectic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At Expo it's- Hall, I mean, it was a uh, really intense down there. <laughs>
0: One thing that they did, which I thought was really great, and, and I haven't really seen this at a lot of cons, is that they actually had, uh, you could walk on the outsides of the show floor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they could have filled it up to the sides, I think. I don't I don't know if that's a fire hazard or what. But I've been to a lot of cons where there isn't that, oh, you can just walk through here and there's nothing going on. Right, kind of right. Through, which, was, which was really good. You don't yeah, have to so immerse yourself
1: so... in, the, in the crazy shuffle.
0: Yeah, and all the crowds mm-hmm. and, and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, like, it seems like they're catering to, um, this demographic very well by taking into consideration because they're part of that community, you know, like I, I wouldn't want to shuffle through that insane crowd. So, um, creating another path for it, you know, it's, it's all of those things are taken into consideration because they all understand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you, if you saw any people who did this, I know I did it, um, I walked, uh, you know, main entrance. Uh, I'm going to go to the show floor. And suddenly you come to that escalator. It's about to go down. So you're above the show floor and you mm-hmm. look down and it's just massive, right? Everything from like the giant evolved monster <laughs> to just the multitude of people everywhere. Yeah. And a lot of people would stop right there and be like, whoa. And some people just wanted to take a picture. Some people, it seemed like they needed to take a moment.
1: Yeah. Before yeah, they went down. Take it all in.
0: Yeah. Because it, it was overwhelming just to look at.
1: It was so. mind blowing. Yeah
0: yeah and and so they had the AFK room, um, which was just amazing, staffed by really cool people. but the enforcers also received the kind of training from Take this mm-hmm. yeah so tell me a little bit about that.
1: So um, what I thought was really great about the staff is that they did reach out to the enforcers. you know they recognized, okay, you guys kind of have some degree of influence um, as far as the atmosphere of packs. And um that it might be important for us to learn to recognize when someone is having a hard time um, to kind of, you know, figure out how you can help someone who seems to be overwhelmed or a little bit um, distressed. So they gave kind of some just general advice about uh, what to look for, um, some of the factors that might be going into um, someone experiencing mental distress, like the fact that. Um, I thought a a good one that they brought up was that there's a sense of immediacy when you're at a con because it's only three days. You want to take everything in. You want to just fill your days with, with awesome stuff. Um,
0: that's such a good point, right? You don't want to stop. You don't want to eat. You just want to go, go, go. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of con goers are totally sleep deprived. (laughs) Um, the food at cons is really expensive. So I can see people like skipping meals, things like that um and just with the general excitement it can lead to um you know it can really wear a person down especially if this is the most amount of stimulation that they've gotten in weeks um depending on the person you know they brought they brought that up as um kind of a factor and they gave the enforcers some advice about like okay just reaching out to someone um being a listening ear asking them how they're doing if they need anything um and then suggestions as far as, like, okay, well, maybe take a break. You know, there is this room. Um, you can go here. You can kind of recoup a little bit. Um, just take a breather. And a lot of the people who were in the in the AFK room just kind of came and they, like, charged their DS. And, like, um, you know, some people were, like, taking naps on the floor, and that was totally okay. Um, but they gave tips, like, you know, don't try to get into a debate with anybody. Um don't try to take command of a situation or anything like that if it gets out of hand. Um, and uh, you know, try not to be confrontational. Um, just some sort of just general tips on on how to be helpful.
0: That is that is it's genius, you know. Right. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> and and so many so many volunteers, right? They're just I know a lot of people volunteer just because like they want to. They want to get a either a free pass or they want to be a part of everything. They want to make things happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're a therapist, but most people, how often does that happen, right? Right, right. So it's so cool to, that, they, that they took that extra step and gave them, you know, a little training. Even, you know, even if it's just a talk about look out for these things, keep this in mind, right. which is fantastic.
1: And I love that they're just sort of um, – you know, being proactive about it—they're not waiting yes, for something to yes. come up. That, like I was saying with the line enforcement—you know—they're not—they're um, not getting it to the point where people are going to be in line, getting restless, getting—you um, know—aggressive, anything like that. They have sort of a solution in place for that.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, being proactive, um, having that every, everybody's mind, having the room there if you need it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? It was just—it was just there if you need it, just yeah. to have that there, Just I don't know I don't know what how much of a difference it made overall, right but I'm sure for a lot of people that that it it was the difference that they needed you know between a, a a bad con experience and a good con experience
1: yeah, and something that I loved about this room is that um I spoke to a few people who came in and were saying like this has been my experience um you know I'm really under a lot of pressure right now, I'm really not Feeling okay with the way that my life is going, and um, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to, what to do, who to talk to. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't even know what you do in therapy. Um, just asking those really preliminary questions, and I, I love being able to kind of provide some information about that and get them on that, that track. Um, so I think just having that room there, open the door for people to feel comfortable asking those questions that maybe they can't ask in their immediate community
0: and i I love you know we're talking about just providing information, even though everybody um the volunteers of the actual room right not not the enforcers who like receive the training mm-hmm. but the people who are staffing the room, sure they were licensed therapists with experience, but they weren't providing therapy mm-hmm. they were just there to provide support and and make it make it a good space right
1: and and something i mean this was a very um the this idea is very fresh. It's really in the early stages. And I don't think they entirely knew going into it, what the take this room was going to be about. Um, And something that I hope they expand on next year is the idea of being able to provide some resources for people, because we did have a lot of people come in and say, I'm ready to get help. Where do I go? And um, we weren't really super prepared for that, you know, and we're, we're on our phones Googling trying to figure out what's in their area. Um, so I'm hoping that next year they'll kind of expand on that need and and have some things readily available for people when they come in asking for that kind of help.
0: Yeah, that's so I didn't even think of that. Yeah, kind of like when you call 311 and asking for services kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that will be cool to just have somebody on a laptop to be able to maybe at least point them in the right direction.
1: Right. Some sure.
0: handouts. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Because the room was really—it was just a room with chairs and tables. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a in a on the on the top floor, away from from the hustle, right?
2: And mm-hmm.
0: and it was perfect for that. I, I I went in on Sunday, and it was really laid back. Everybody was really nice, and it, I just saw people, definitely just taking a break. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, but it's so cool to hear that all that other stuff was going on. I I because I I do the con stuff now a lot, and people are always asking me for research resources on both sides. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I, I always feel like I'm not prepared. Um I'm not prepared for, especially when people are coming from all over the country.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm I'm really glad you 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 mentioned that because that that would be so huge to just you know, some people it takes a lot of guts to just come up and, and say, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, some mental health stuff. Yeah. If and- we had a lot of people would probably just come in, grab a flyer and go.
1: Right. And, and something that was great about those, those panels is that, um, I think one of the goals was to really normalize the idea of like, hey, tons of people are going through this. Tons of people have experienced this and, and it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to ask questions about it. And if you're having a hard time, it's all right to reach out to people. And I think this con did a great job of spreading that message.
0: Yeah. More than, more than anything I've ever seen. And, and it was at the, at the organizational level, like AF, uh, take this was involved. And, um, and I know you got to talk to Tycho, which is one of the creators of Penny yeah. arcade mm-hmm. and one of the organizers. Um, so tell me about that. Cause I, I, <laughs> I saw him real quick. I traded some pins and then I was on my way. I didn't really yeah, talk to him about this.
1: Definitely. Definitely. One of the top highlights of, of my PACS experience this year. Um, I, I saw Tycho in, uh, the hotel lobby and, um, I went up to him and I just said, you know, I really appreciate how much work that PAX has done as far as social issues, um, that you guys are really aware of some of the issues that the community faces. And, you know, the fact that we have this wonderful, supportive community and that you are recognizing that and trying to embrace that and trying to really make a difference in people's lives. You know, I just wanted to tell him, like, thank you for that. And as someone who's been trying to advocate for that kind of thing um, it was just really refreshing and inspiring to me. And it was inspiring to meet people like you, you know, who share the same kind of visions about incorporating, um, you know, gaming and technology and the internet and merging that with therapy. Um, so I wanted to kind of share that with him. And, um, we ended up having a really great conversation. Um, and I, I don't want to like, you know, he told me some, some pretty in-depth information about his life and I don't want to disclose too much out of respect for his, his personal life, but, um, you know, he talked about experiences where, um, it, it was difficult to talk about some of these things and where you have those walls up and it, and it's hard to reach out to people and how you can really know someone very closely and still feel uncomfortable bringing up a topic like depression or anxiety. Um, and I think through those personal experiences that he's had and that so many of us have had, um, he was able to to sort of seize that and and allow that to come through at PAX and and to be a part of PAX um so he's just he's an awesomely cool person he's very aware of these issues and he's really supportive of them
0: I'm I'm so glad to hear like you know that's that's the top of PAX East right that's the top of PAX Mm -hmm. and it's so great to hear that it it is on his radar, you know, and he, and he understands it. And I'm sure he was a big part of all of this being able to happen. Like, it, I I think I'm having trouble describing how amazing it was, <laughs> right? To see to have all these things just come together.
2: Right, um, right.
0: And and every con should do this from now on. Like, I think there's I think they've set a precedent here. Absolutely.
2: And, yeah. And
0: and there's and there's so much more we can do without changing what a con is. Just I think it just makes it better.
1: I mean, I think that they're just really um okay, you have the video games, you have the tangible sort of like here's what you play and we have this in common, but they really see the wider scope of this is a generation of people. This is a group of people who have similar experiences, um who have grown up in a similar way, who have similar values. And, um, you know, ha- have experienced a lot of the same emotions, and we can, you know, build on that and, um, we can sort of unite everybody through that. It goes beyond just games, it goes into the culture. And PAX has been really instrumental in, in, um, recognizing that and seizing that.
0: And it's great to hear, um, from, from Dr. Klein when I spoke to him that, you know, they're gonna keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And they'll do it at PAX Prime, and they're looking for a different opportunities. So it yes. should be even better, you know, um, later this year when uh, during during PAX Prime.
1: Yeah, and and like I said, I think um, the the AFK room was in its very very infant stages, um, and now that they've kind of established a baseline of like, okay, here are some of the needs that we noticed, um, here are some of the comments that we got, the questions that we got. Um, how can we take that and build on it and kind of cater to what people are, are needing? So I think it can only get better from here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, other cons, just look look at what what PAX is doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> seriously, seriously. So one more thing that I wanted to talk about um, was just sort of the general shift in, um, in culture and in, in development um, and a lot of my research is centered around adolescent development um, as it pertains to technology and the Internet and connectivity um, and how we have this whole generation of people who are now growing up, you know, um, 20 years ago, someone were isolated and they didn't fit in in their community and, um, you know, they, they had troubles at home and they had trouble connecting with people then they just would have been isolated. That just would have been their life. And, um, you know, they'd have a, a really sort of bleak outlook. Um, and today that's just not the case anymore. Now anyone can find a way to connect with someone. There are so many communities out there um, that there's a niche for everybody, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I'm just really curious, and I hope that there's more research coming out about this, about how that's affecting our generation and how that's um, kind of affecting the upcoming generation and how people are developing up from there. And how can we bank on that and how can we help people and use that as a tool? Um, you know, we have a lot of mental health issues that revolve around um, difficulties with relationships, forming relationships, um, you know, connecting with other people. And meanwhile, we have the Internet, which is the greatest connection tool ever. and um, I, I would love to see how that's going to progress and how we can use the two to kind of work in tandem, um, and really reach out to people that we wouldn't have been able to reach out to before.
0: And I think that all of this stuff that's happening at PAX, it kind of opens up the door for more of those conversations. And if we're going to have them anywhere, we should have them there, right? All of us who, who are into mental health and we, we know all the benefits, mm-hmm. you know, advocate for them, not only here, but, uh. You know, at, at events like PAX, but everywhere, because even though right, that take this was kind of there to deal with the like again the hustle, it, it can be overwhelming. But a minority of people experience that, and for the most part, people go there for that sense of community, for that mm-hmm. connection.
2: Absolutely.
0: And and one of the great things about PAX, anyone that's never gone, you could spend the entire day in the magic. The gathering section, or the <laughs> or the tabletop gaming section, you could spend the entire weekend um, on PCs in the back,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, trying out new um, new games. Right? I mean, it's just like you you didn't even have to go to the show floor to have right. a good time. Like even within something like PAX East, where we all agree, like yeah, we're all gamers, we like to game. Uh, you could have spent the entire weekend doing just one thing. There was a whole right, a whole room where there were uh, tournaments for. Uh, or c- classic console games, right? You yeah. Spent the whole weekend there. <laughs>
1: yeah. I played Gold Goldmine for the first time. I missed it the first time around.
0: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I know, right?
1: I know. Finally, got so to cool. sort of check that off my, my gaming bucket list. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Very cool. Yeah, and I and I hope that they continue to have that sort of professional involvement. Um, you know, I remember you saying at one point that. Um, you were a little bit concerned in some of the panels that, um, you know, they're getting people are getting into some pretty. It, I mean, it's fortunate that they feel that it's a safe space where they can kind of self-disclose and they can kind of go into some of the things that they've been experiencing. Um, but it is a little nerve wracking that it's not being super contained or it's not being addressed in a therapeutic manner necessarily, or it's. um you know, being kind of guided by, by non-professionals. Um, yeah. And, and we're I-
0: talking specifically about the, like, it was a panel called Inner Demons. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with anxiety and depression. And on the one hand, like, PAX is super open and they allowed mental health issues to be brought up, you know, headlining these panels. Um but maybe they were too open in the fact that, right? This panel was just essentially like a, an open support group, and there were there were no mental health professionals on the panel. There was no, like, so actually the best um, or the most what made the environment the safest was the fact that there were enforcers there who maybe had to take this um, quick training, mm-hmm. and and for the issues that they were talking about there, that that's kind of dangerous like it it could have yeah. gotten out of hand and and that's like a recipe for disaster
1: <laughs> right right exactly and and that said um and I did actually speak to Dr. Klein about this a little bit um you know in the future I think the idea of having some kind of therapeutic group or some kind of therapeutic safe space um where people can talk about these things is a great idea these cons if that's um, if that's where people feel safe and that's the community that they feel safe in, then we should bank on that. But it does need to be regulated a little bit more carefully because um, it sounded like in the instance I, I missed um, the the end of that panel that, that you were talking about. But it sounded like it got it got a little intense and, and maybe a little bit harmful to to um, some of the participants. And I thought that's yeah, but- a really good point that you brought up.
0: Yeah, the Q&A was, uh, was very intense mm-hmm. and, and you know, not surprisingly so if, if you're just talking about experiences of anxiety and depression. Over 20 people lined up for that panel. And um, actually there were, I believe it was a social worker. I couldn't hear very well. And there was a registered nurse who stood up at different times during the panel from the audience mm-hmm. to address uh, people who had asked questions because the panel was not equipped to to do anything about right yeah other than like like oh i'm sorry you feel that way like psh, yeah. okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and you invited this essentially because because they said they riled everybody up with uh, their own personal stories of anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. taking medication and diagnosis and then everybody come up and share right and that's that's really dangerous.
1: Right. right. And ordinarily, I mean that would be a wonderful thing that you feel connected to these people you're sharing these experiences. Um, but it it the the method by which it was carried out seems like it was a little bit more destructive. Well-intentioned but destructive.
0: Yeah. Anybody could have had a panic attack uh, or something like that and then mm-hmm. what what were the panelists going to do? Right. And and the enforcers weren't equipped to handle that you know
1: right and by the way this is something that i brought up with Tycho when i had my conversation with him um i did tell him that you know I was like me and another clinician were kind of talking about this and and he brought up this point that i thought was really important and Tycho was like oh yeah, you're right <laughs> he was he was really on board with with um with the notion so
0: yeah uh, and and uh, i i do understand the idea that Let's take the let's take advantage of this opportunity that we're all here to have fun and talk about something that's serious and important to us and is another part of our lives. And I also understand the part that, well, maybe we don't want like therapists and stuff in here because they're they're the other, right? And mm-hmm. we are we're all sharing this experience.
2: Right.
0: I understand that. So maybe hopefully conversations like this and some of the other uh panels that were given by mental health professionals, which were not about pathology and about, um, you know, deep feelings or more, you know, different topics like the positivity of gaming, and things like that, the, mm-hmm. you know, we can show that we are, we are people too, you know, yeah. the people in the AFK room, like, don't, don't, we're, we're here to just keep it, you know, make sure that everybody's okay. We right, don't, right. We, we don't want to, we don't want people to not be able to feel comfortable and, and share their experiences, but they're Anybody who's been through like a panic attack or had a really really serious issue could probably appreciate the difference between just being surrounded by people, <laughs> right? Yeah, who aren't mental health professionals and and having someone there just in case.
1: Yeah, and I I mean I I hope that you know I I think that this is part of um, Pax's sort of social agenda is um in addition to destigmatizing mental health issues like depression and anxiety to also destigmatize the the idea of going to therapy and the Therapy yep. is, is a bad thing and a dangerous thing and a scary thing and that means something's wrong with you. Um, you know, and I hope that they can kind of push that a little bit more and um, normalize it a little bit.
0: Oh, the, the Inner Demons guys were so ill-prepared that they didn't even mention the AFK room. Yeah. Which is something I didn't think about until afterwards. Mm-hmm. I was like, listen, if if this if this panel riles anything up in you, and actually this is something that could have been addressed. Maybe, again, this is like, put this on your list of uh, things you can improve. Uh, mm-hmm. packs. Um, the FK room was great, but how did people know about it? If they didn't go, if they didn't walk by the top building or if they didn't, you know, and they didn't go to that one panel, did a lot of people know about it? If right. you didn't go through something and an enforcer didn't mention like, oh, check out the FK room. Um, it wasn't promoted that well. And I went to some panels that were really intense and not just this anxiety and depression one. There, was, there were some about cyber and cyber stalking mm. and people receiving death threats and just getting horrible comments. Sure. And, you know, there was no disclaimer at the beginning. Like, we're going to get into some, you know, serious stuff. And a lot of people are really negatively affected by those things. Absolutely. And it could have brought some stuff up. So just kind of a reminder, like, hey, if anybody's feeling kind of anxious or, or about this, check out you know, check out the AFK room. Just that would have been huge because the AFK room was there to take care of any of that that happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it was such a great resource that, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I think that was, you know, it was sort of a grand experiment with the AFK room. And I think that um, next year, they're really going to try to expand on that. And hopefully at at Pack South, which is going to be in San Antonio, we found out, which is exciting um, in January. And then, um, hopefully at next year's PAX East, I think they're really, it was, it, it got a great response. And so I think they're going to try to build on it and they're listening to feedback. Um, I do think that, that people like Dr. Klein are really open to it. Um, I had the, the fortune of meeting Ashley Birch from Hey Ash, what you're playing. Um, totally fangirled out on her. Um, (laughs) but, um, she, she's really behind all that kind of stuff too. And, um, I think they're really open to feedback and suggestions on how they can just um, make it better and make next year even, even uh, you know, more promising than this year. So,
0: And uh, I think one final note and something that's relevant to anybody who's listening to this who is also a mental health professional, the the people at the AFK room were also, like, we talked about people in the AFK room being exposed to therapists and be like, oh, they're just normal people. That's kind of cool. But mm-hmm. the opposite also happened. Um, there were a lot of therapists who were kind of Dr. Klein. You know, got them to volunteer, and they got to experience this world that a lot of people, especially older therapists, don't understand. Right. And there's all these yeah. stigmas, and they got to meet gamers and see, like, oh, like they're normal people too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some. There was um, a psychoanalyst there who had been in the practice for like thirty years, and and. Um, She was wonderful, and she was so open to everything, and I think this was sort of a new experience from her. She didn't have any gaming background or anything, um, but she was very open to it, and she wanted to learn more about it, especially since she worked with adolescent clients.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: So yeah. I thought that was great. It it did provide that exposure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Klein, uh, I spoke with him a little, but one of the things we talked about was, Yeah. A lot of people play video games. If you don't know about video games, you're missing out on a lot of, on a big part of the con- uh, potential conversation with your clients. Yeah,
2: so absolutely. So yeah. And so,
0: Elizabeth, thank you so much for 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 your information and, and yeah. giving us that perspective. Because, uh, like I said, I'm a, one guy walking around. You know, I, I get to talk psycho. <laughs> like it was it was so cool um to meet you and and thank you for sharing all this information. My
1: pleasure. You know, this this has been um you know Pax was was really inspiring to me. Just Meeting other people like you who um, just are, are really pushing for the same causes and are really passionate about the same things—it's so it's been wonderful.
0: Yeah, and I hope to you know keep building the network. If people want to find you, um, I know on Twitter you're Elizabeth underscore F L, mm-hmm. Elizabeth with an S. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll put it I'll put it in the show notes too, so people can can contact you.
2: Awesome, awesome. Yeah.
0: So again, thank you so much, and and yeah, anything uh, anything we said about PAX is like, overall it was amazing. The AFK Room <laughs> and Take This did amazing, and um, we're looking forward to see how it gets better. Absolutely. That was Elizabeth Flanagan. I was so so happy to be able to meet her and talk to her, and I'm so glad that she came on to talk to us. So I'm, now I'm going to go into some some more detail about some other things. So in the interview, we talked about an organization called Take This, and I just want to read to you a little bit from the website about what they are. Uh, it says, Take This provides empathy, education, and support about mental health and wellness for those experiencing emotional distress, their families, and greater institutions. Other parts on the website say, it's dangerous to go alone, an acknowledgement that the world can be a difficult place for anyone. Take This, an offer of help. Depression and anxiety can be overwhelming, but so easily dismissed as just feeling sad or needing to relax. It's far too easy to simply not talk about these problems, and so we suffer alone, quietly. It's dangerous to go alone. Take This is meant as a helping hand. We're here for empathy and support. We've been there. We've had loved ones who have been there, and we want to help. We want to talk. We want to hear from you. We want you to live the life you deserve. Take This. So... Their mission is a really positive one. And again, at Paxis, that meant getting involved at an organizational level and doing a lot of great things. The name of the panel was But I'm Not Crazy, and they did a really good job of addressing some very common issues in in our culture, and the role plays were fantastic, and they really did a great job of addressing the stigma and what we can do about that. There were two other panels which were done by mental health professionals. One was called How Much is Too Much? Finding Balance in Gaming Pursuits and Obligations. This one was by Eric Andrews. He is a licensed professional counselor. And this one was a lot of fun. I thought that he was going to come on and talk about how you're all gaming too much and you need to stop that. Um, But that's not what he did at all. He's a big fan of Final Fantasy XIV and he had gaming references throughout the panel and he actually made it really, really fun. His presentation was great. And his message was essentially, Hey, check out these warning signs. If any of this is happening, you might be gaming too much. And the summer, to summarize this panel, really, it was if you're not achieving your goals, you know, the goals that you have set out and if you're not doing the things that you need to do because you're gaming, then Maybe you're not balancing things right. And he kind of gives suggestions on how to find balance. It was really good. The Q&A um, was also really good. I think the first person uh, was someone who was in the military and he talked about how, you know, he plays in his downtime and he was wondering if maybe he was playing too much. And, you know, he explained how He does his job, he gets everything done right, he gets the amount of sleep that he knows he needs every night, and then with the time that he has left over, if he can, he plays games. And sometimes those gaming sessions are longer than others, but it seemed like he was on target and he had a great balance. So it was great to have that conversation, so it was a really, really good panel. The other panel by a mental health person was In Real Life Achievements, Gamification and Mental Health. This panel was by a psychologist named Erica Sar. Very cool. We got to talk before the panel. She started off by talking about how she uses games to cope sometimes. She also talked about examples of video game use in the military, through exposure therapy, uh, reports of soldiers just reporting feeling really good about being able to play games, not be bored, um, the satisfaction of beating a superior officer uh, because they're all on the same playing field, and having these uh, achievements, you know, working day in, day out. It's just your job. There's really no recognition, um, no sense of achievement, and it's something that they could get from video games on their downtime. She also talked about reports of uh, like people in nursing homes using a Wii to exercise and just feeling a lot better. Talked about biofeedback in video games. She talked about Jane McConnell's book, the Reality is Broken, and Self-Improvement. Overall, just a Solid presentation, um, you know, sharing a lot of reports, stories, articles, research, a lot of the type of things that, that I post on Geek Therapy. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, those articles are out there. There's a lot of research and essentially that, that's what she did. She just promoted this idea that, Hey, video games can be very helpful and we're using them that way. And there's a lot of potential there. Now, the other panel that explicitly talked about mental health, I mentioned this in the interview with Elizabeth is titled Dealing with Inner Demons Anxiety and Depression in Gamers. Now I'm gonna read the description as it is on the schedule so you get an idea of of what it was supposed to be about. Anxiety and depression are inner demons you can't always vanquish. But you can learn to keep them at bay. You are not alone in this fight. Join game designer and Ubisoft scriptwriter Phil Menard as he and Mr. Guest share their mental health stories and strategies to beat them back. Now, uh, full disclosure, I did talk to Phil um, before PAX East. I had reached out to him on Twitter and asked him if it was just him on the panel or if there were going to be any mental health professionals involved. And he told me no, and he asked if I wanted to be involved. And we spoke through email, and I told him that if I was going to be involved in something like that, I needed to know what they were going to say because I couldn't go on a panel where apparently they were going to you know, give strategies on how to beat back anxiety and depression. And there I am as a licensed therapist. I didn't want anything to look like I was condoning anything that they were saying without, you know, seeing first. Um From my understanding, he kind of saw that as me uh wanting to kind of provide some oversight over the panel. And I really didn't want to do that. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't want to be involved with something where they were talking about some you know, ridiculous theories or anything like that. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I think we just didn't understand each other well. And later on, we talked about catching up at PAX and and maybe still doing something. But uh, we never got to talk. But I did go to the panel. And uh, there were no mental health professionals on the panel. And so it's really important to point out that Phil and his panelists talked about very serious issues, anxiety, depression, having bipolar disorder, going to therapy, taking medication, suicidal ideation, all of those things. And Phil did say, you know, reminded everybody he's not a therapist um, and that he wasn't really there to give any sort of advice. Although, of course, the the panel description actually said, you know, we're going to share strategies to beat them back. And they absolutely did that. And they kind of did give advice. And some people actually asked for advice, which was the most dangerous part. After Phil and his panelists shared their stories... They opened up the microphones very quickly. I'd say about 20 minutes into the panel, maybe, and over 20 people lined up. And there were a lot of very serious questions, such as, how do you deal with medication side effects? Um, how do you deal with being called drug reliant? There was a question on, how do I talk to my significant other about depression and anxiety? To which Phil actually responded with a story about him getting drunk with a friend and definitely... His intentions were good. I understand what he was saying, that he was able to pour his heart out to his friend and he felt really good. But bringing up getting drunk uh, when you're feeling really down is not uh, good advice. Again, he didn't necessarily give it as advice, but not the best story to share there. Two people did stand up from the audience and gave advice, which was something that the panelists had no control over, but it was also something that they weren't prepared for. Um... Again, there was no one there to help regulate emotions, to kind of steer the conversation away from getting heated, just uh, if anybody really needed help. This became a huge support group type of session without a counselor, and it was very difficult to watch, and I understand that Phil and his panelists were were trying to do something good to create a space where that could happen, where people could share their stories, but it was very, very dangerous and very irresponsible, especially and I hope that was apparent from just having people stand up uh, from the audience and and start giving advice. It could have gone a lot worse, according to Phil. These panels have gone well in the past. I don't know how he feels about this panel again i'm I'm a therapist, and that was very, very uncomfortable. It could have been a lot worse i'm I'm glad it wasn't and actually the last person who asked the question she i If I remember correctly, she was tearing up. She may have been crying. And they ran out of time. They kind of cut her off and then asked her to go outside and talk. And then it was just a huge mess. I don't know what happened afterwards. Again, PAX did a fantastic job with so much of the mental health stuff. And to let this slide was, was, again, an oversight. They're still learning. I don't necessarily think that an organization like Take This should be providing, you know, should be, should be a part of the approval process necessarily. But if the PAX organizers have all these panels and they're related to these serious issues, or or maybe, maybe if the PAX organizers actually come and approve all the panels that they want to let a group like Take This maybe just take a look and see, hey, these are here are some warning signs because there were other panels that touched some really serious issues. For example, I went to, two panels that talked about just the negativity online. One was called Why Internet Jerks Aren't Going to Win and How You Can Help. There was talk, I mean, they showed really um, offensive comments that people have received online. And this was, the, don't get me wrong, this was an amazing panel, but it was dealing with things that were kind of difficult to, to listen to. Um, one person talked about getting death threats and... This wasn't the only panel like that. Another one was called What You Can Do to End Bile and Hatred in Games Culture. Again, just talking about just how people can be so nasty and so negative online and kind of what we can do about it. If those two panels aren't enough, uh, there was also one called Terrifying Adventures in Cyberland, a legal toolkit for bullying, stalking, and harassment in game culture. I didn't go to that panel in particular, but I can imagine that they talked about things that were very uncomfortable. I think the biggest problem with the inner demons panel was that they never mentioned the afk room and maybe phil didn't know about the afk room and when if he did and then i i just forgot but i don't remember him ever mentioning the afk room to anyone and the enforcers who were there didn't do it either and to be honest i completely forgot about the afk room while i was in the room i remembered afterwards it's something to think about for the future if you're talking about anything like this even the bullying stalking and harassment in game culture just talking about some of these things can bring up a lot of emotions in people who have been through something like that. And having the AFK room there was huge. So to not take advantage of it um, in those situations was, was a missed opportunity. So I debated on what to call this episode. I was going to call it Mental Health at PAX East because it was a topic of discussion. People, it was on people's minds. It was visible. It was in the AFK room. There were therapists everywhere. Whether whether PAX knew it or not, they had a therapist as an enforcer in Elizabeth, they had therapists giving presentations, they had therapists in the audience, and they were, you know, partnering up with Take This. So there was mental health and mental health professionals at every level. I mean, a lot of us are fans, so it's not surprising that we're there. But to be involved in the organizational level, it's it's good that they took advantage of it and... For me, it was just great to see that everywhere. So I'll probably end up calling the episode just PAX East because uh, there's a lot going on at PAX East, not just the mental health stuff. But it was, again, just great to see. And this was not the only great thing that, that the PAX organizers did. There was also a diversity lounge and gender-neutral bathrooms. I don't know how much attention the gender-neutral bathrooms have gotten. I don't know if that's just something that the Convention Center always has. I don't know if it's something that Convention Center always has, but it was great to have it. And the Diversity Lounge was really great, also. They had Northwest Press there with LGBT comics. They had different LGBT gaming groups um, from Canada, from the States. They had a group that encouraged girls to play Magic the Gathering. It's a, it's essentially a group to, you know, promote the idea of girls playing Magic the Gathering. There was uh, the organizer for BentCon was there, which is a convention in LA, and even able gamers had a table up there. Able Gamers is an organization that reviews games on how accessible they are. So, um, so a game might be amazing. For example, we talked about, about Infamous Second Son and how it may be a great game, but there are parts in the game where if you are, if you have some sort of physical disability, you may not be able to get past certain scenes just because the game doesn't allow for it. So you could actually get stuck. Uh, we talked about things like, Games that don't have subtitles. So what if you're deaf? You can't actually, you have no idea what's going on. And they had on display a lot of video game controllers, which were modified for people to play who, you know, maybe only have one hand or one arm or missing some fingers or have limited mobility. Just possibilities are endless. And they have all these really cool uh, modded controllers for for, so, so that anybody can play. So nobody misses out. Um All of that was in the Diversity Lounge, and it was just really, really, really great to see that there. And I did hear some people complaining about why is the Diversity Lounge up here? Why is it so far away from everything else? Are they just trying to push you aside? I don't think that's the case. I think they just wanted a place where they could highlight all of the diversity, um, where they could have a, a place where people could talk to these groups. And if they were on the show floor, it would have been a mess. It would have been really noisy. And at least the guys at Able gamer seemed really excited to have a space separate from the show floor so they could really have conversations with people, show off their controllers, and do things they wouldn't have been able to do as easily downstairs. I still think it was a lot of great visibility. They did they did promote it. It was on the map and it was open. They had they had special lanyards for diversity. It was it was really cool. So between the diversity lounge and all the mental health stuff, especially the involvement with Take This, it was just fantastic. It was just an unbelievable experience. If you couldn't make it to PAX East, I hope this gives you an idea of some of the really great things that went on at the convention. And overall, it's a great gaming convention. Uh, tabletop gaming, collectible card games, brand new games, old games, indies, a lot of indie games. It was just fantastic. Overall, it was just a, a great experience. Um, other gaming sites will cover our all of the new games, all of the great stuff that you could see and the reasons why most people go to PAX East. But I hope that you were able to get an idea of kind of some of the other stuff that was happening from, from this discussion and from from Elizabeth. And so that's it for this week. If you want to know more about my visit to PAX East, there will be something up about it on the website. And if you want more stories like we talked about at the beginning, there's lots of those on the site as well. So for more on Geek Therapy, visit geektherapy.com or follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. Thank you.